Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. There was once a man who embarked on a journey into the sea. There was a great storm, and the ship was smashed into pieces, drowning everyone except this man. Upon reaching home, he immediately ordered that the two windows which overlook the sea in his house be walled up. Why do you think that is? Because he feared that when the shock of the incident would have subsided, he may be tempted to venture once again into the sea. Having been led into the Lenten desert for two weeks now, we all know what it's like to be tempted, which may have led, for some of us, into the devastating shipwreck of sin. Regarding temptation, St. Thomas has this to say. To tempt is, properly speaking, to make trial of something. Now, we make trial of something in order to know something about it. Hence, the immediate end for every tempter is knowledge. So tempting, to tempt is to test, to put to test in order that we may know something from it. A man can be said to tempt another merely for the sake of knowing something good or bad, it is for this reason it is a sin to tempt God, for man is curious to know how far God's power and mercy can go. God is said also to tempt, and he also tempts that he may know, to know whether we truly love him or not. But the devil, however, always tempts in order to hurt, to hurt man by urging him to sin. In this sense, it is said that the proper office of the devil is to tempt. Since his time in Eden, the Garden of Eden, having tempted Adam and Eve, since then we can say, safely say that the devil has learned many things about man, our strengths, and our weakness. You see, a man can be compared to the temple in Jerusalem. In order to enter or to arrive at the heart of the temple, one must pass through the outer court, moving into the inner courts in order to finally arrive at the Holy of Holies, which as you know is reserved for the high priest. In the same way, Many steps are needed for man to obtain the object of his desires. Those who have given up sweets for Lent may be able to relate. First, the senses, the eyes, the smell, perceive the object, usually the object you've given up, a piece of cake, for example. The intellect powers, the intellective powers, then confirm and say, yes, this object is indeed a cake, but more precisely, a cream cake. 
Then the vegetative powers grumbles and tell the body that it is hungry. Once again, the intelligent powers approve and say, so it is, this cake, we will have this cake, it is something good for us. And the appetitive powers orders the locomotive powers to go after the cake and eat it. So you see, this is a simplified explanation of how man comes to obtain any good. It's the same. The same goes for gossiping. So you can imagine that all temptation, in a sense, take advantage of man's nature, of the processes that he has to go through to obtain a good or an evil that disguises itself as a good. The devil, who is very familiar with our nature, tempts us according to our nature. Since man's contact begins Contact with reality begins with the external senses. Temptation begins there also. For example, the eyes, the ears, the sight, hearing, all these things the devil uses to get to us. Thus, an object impresses itself to the senses with hopes that the intellect will judge it as a good, judge it to be a good, and go after it. This is why bakeries would display their cakes in order to entice their customer to enter. A reminder, all knowledge comes to us through the exterior senses and whatever enters will remain in the interior senses, such as the imagination and the memory. So you see that whatever we know all the things we know comes through the five senses and they remain in our memory, in our imagination. So if the devil succeeds in throwing this object into the court of our interior senses, then he can more easily and effectively tempt us because it's already in our memory and imagination, ready to be manipulated. The sense of sight is the most excellent for all our senses. They are truly the window into our soul. We take this for granted, but most of our knowledge, good or bad, come through the eyes. They allow us to have contact with the outside reality, always opening up new horizons. It is no doubt that the devils prefers this entrance into our soul. Man or woman, young and old, even the very young and the very old, filling the imagination and the memory with filth and destroying innocence. You can easily say that our dependence on technology, which uses the eyes, must have been one of Satan's greatest achievement so far. Coming back to the man who survived the shipwreck, he went home traumatized not only by the unfortunate event but by his very self. You remember that he went home and he walled up the windows immediately. So he was traumatized by the shipwreck but he also had a great fear of himself 
he was worried that one day he would go back into the sea again and have the same incident be repeated. This is the same thing with habitual sins. We must do all we can to avoid the occasion of sin. It is better to be safe than sorry. But many are neither prudent nor cautious. Imagine now the man who days after having been just spared from death is seen walking along the seashore and somehow was able to gather all the scattered fragments of the wrecked ship and rebuild it exactly as it was and head back into the raging sea, thus using all the elements to risk another shipwreck. So this paints the picture of the habitual sinner who sins over and over again using the same elements which had led them to fall into sin the previous times, the same occasion which had led them to the shipwreck of the same sin. So yes, we compared man to the temple with his outer and inner courts. And our Lord tells us in today's gospel, when a strong man armed keepeth his court, those things which he possesses are in peace. When a strong man protects his court, those things he possesses in, his, in the temple are kept in peace. Notice our Lord does not say the inner apartment or the center of the house, but he says the court, as in the senses, especially the eyes. We must take custody of the eyes and be careful what we allow to enter through it, for when it does enter, it is there to stay in our memory and in our imagination. And remember that this court is within the reach of the devil. Yes, even though he has no direct access to our Holy of Holies, as in our inward disposition, he tempts and he tempts and he tempts in order to explore our weaknesses so that he may tempt us to the vice to which we are most prone. So, when a man, a strong man, armed, keepeth his court, those things which he possesses are in peace. If we do not cautiously keep custody of our senses, the object which makes us fall into sin over and over again will also present itself over and over again. When it is immediately in sight, we find it very hard to judge correctly whether we ought to choose it or to reject it. Its presence has some magical charm, it captivates our senses, bewitches our understanding, and enslaves our affections. So, it is better to be safe than sorry. And then the sin of presumption sets in, pushing us to rely upon our own strengths or upon the grace of God. The first makes us feel strong, and the latter gives us a feeling of security, abandoning all our um, necessity to keep our court. So, like the man of the shipwreck, let us learn to distrust ourselves. Let us learn from the past shipwrecks of our sins and wall up the windows of our house. 
Let us practice the custody of our senses, avoiding the occasion of sin and the sin of presumption. Let us instead trust in God. Let us distrust ourselves, but let us trust in God. And the introit teaches us how to use our eyes, our spiritual eyes, to hope in the Lord. My eyes are ever toward the Lord, for he will free my feet from the snare. Look toward me and have pity on me, for I am alone and afflicted. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen.